Good afternoon, everyone. This is the Shuffle Bus recording from the Foundry in downtown Lincoln. I'm your host, Jesse Bergman, and as always, I have my ever-esteemed co-host, Neil Molman, joining us today. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about Omnibots, the Megatron bet, the impressions from the first results from Gen Con, as well as we're going to break down the top 10 best orange cards for an orange deck. Let's uh, hop on the bus and take a ride. All right, Neil. So on last episode, we talked about Blaster versus Soundwave deck, and we said we would get to the Omnibots because we ran out of time. We Sorry for the long episode. but I'm not uh, sorry. It, it's all about the rant about Megatron, but yeah, we've got some I'll... more on that in a little bit. So let's, let's talk about these Omnibots. Obviously, they were San Diego Comic-Con 2019 exclusive. Yeah, they're pretty sweet. We have them in front of us. Big shout out again to Chris for hooking us up. We can't thank you enough for that. Chris's wonderful wife waited in a long line. But we have all three of these Omnibots sitting in front of us, and I think we should break them down one at a time and talk about what they do. They all have some synergy together, and maybe we'll spend just a few moments talking about the kind of deck that they want to be in or just kind of what we think is the best build style because I think they're going to be tricky to build at the end of the day, and I have not built a deck yet around them, but certainly have been brewing some ideas. So, Neil, why don't you start us off? Let's pick the first one and let's go. Right. So, there's three of them and they're a sweet little team of cars. Sergeant Overdrive is their leader. He has the leader trait. He is nine stars. And on his alt side, he is a leader, an omnibot, a car, and he's ranged. That's so a lot he's, of stuff. Right. He already just has a bunch of text just on the top half. He has three power. He has 12 health and one defense. And it obviously, you would start the game in this mode. So, he has unique ability to all three of these guys that at the start of your first turn you may play a utility under one of your omnibots and they all have this at the start of your first turn ability it's kind of a new thing yeah so that's interesting so i mean if it's at the start of your first turn that's not the start of your turn that's the start of the first turn of the game right not every turn yeah right, right. every turn it'd be kind of crazy crazy they ruled about this recently because people were asking a bunch of questions and it doesn't actually happen first thing. First thing you do in your turn is draw a card, and that's true every turn. So the first turn of the game, you draw a card, and then this ability or the ability of the other Omnibots would trigger. Right. And you could you get to choose the order if they happen at the same time, everything like that. But the importance of this is that you get to draw a card before doing it, and therefore you'd be able to play the card you drew if it was, in this case, a utility. Let's talk about the bot side, because I think we understand the starting point here. We'll, we'll talk about the implications for each one of these bots and which ones we think might be best for a starting lineup after we kind of gone through all three of them. So remember that his ability can put the thing on himself, as they all can, but his, his bot side is leader omnibot ranged, so he loses the car, obviously, but, I mean, he's a robot now, so that's okay. He has four attack, 12 defense, sorry, four attack, 12 health, one defense. 12 defense would be pretty insane. Just yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's my bad. I can't read. Four attack, 12 health, one defense. He has gained an attack in this mode and not lost any of the other stats. But his text says, when one of your Omnibots with a utility battles, it gets focus until the end of the battle, equal to the number of Omnibots you have with a utility. So that's, that's like a mouthful. Crazy. Right. <laughs> but, but it's pretty crazy if you think about it, right? Because you're probably going to play them all on a team. Right. Because they, they all reference omnibots as a whole like that like like this one says equal to the number of omnibots that you get more value out of each ability based on how many there are and that's not to say that you couldn't play them by himself like if you had some lineup that you just wanted sergeant overdrive with a security console in it or whatever to start the game you would have security console and focus one by himself but it gets more powerful the more omnibots you have exactly focus is a cool ability yeah, so talk a little bit about it, because you probably have more experience with it than myself, just because in our sealed events we've been playing, you've got a general Optimus Prime. Yeah, and in RC. Yeah, which um, also has focus. And 
I stopped playing the RC when I got when I opened the Prime, but the focus ability is very powerful. Like it's really, really good. We're gonna talk about the Gen Con stuff a little later, but there were a ton of general optimists in the tops of the qualifiers and they were mixed decks so like the focus really lets you do that without a lot of drawback because you get to look at the for those of us who don't know what focus is is when it battles you look at the top part of your battle deck and you can choose to scrap it or leave it there you can set up your both attacks and defends with the knowledge of the top part of your battle deck to, to preface this a little bit because this is the question i still have about this particular ability in a three-wide omnibot team is maybe you have some insight into it, but I didn't see anything in the rulings when I was reading through it, and it still leaves me with a question that I want to eventually ask Watsi, and I, I'm waiting kind of just to see if somebody already asked it and just hasn't been answered. If you have Focus 3 because you started the game with three Omnibot, do you look at all three cards at once and choose, or do you look at the top card first, scrap, top next card, scrap, next card, scrap? Like, is it a one, one of trigger for each one, or is it look at three, decide what you want to do with those three, and then go from there? Well, luckily on Sergeant Overdrive, uh, they explain it, actually. It has a reminder text talking about focus and the number of focus. And it says, for example, if your character has focus three, look at the top three cards of your deck before flipping battle cards when battling. Scrap any number of them. All right. So it's it's clarifying the, it right on the card. And you put the rest back in any order. This is what I get for not reading the entire card <laughs> before we do a podcast. That's okay. It's It's not obvious. And I'm not sure if Sergeant, or I'm sorry, Specialist Flamewar has that text on her. She uh, definitely doesn't. I know she doesn't. She's the only one that has more than one focus for this. Oh, she might then. Maybe I just didn't read it again. She, she my has lack focus of reading too comprehension on the... <laughs> is, is in full effect apparently today. But anyway, all that aside, you do get to look at all three and keep any of them you want, bin any of them you don't want. And so you really like, assuming that you had all three guys, all three utilities, you would get to just you know set up your whole attack and possibly even your, your draw for the next turn, depending on if you had any tough or extra battle cards for any reason. Now, I, I would think you normally would flip four battle cards when you're when you have all three Omnibots on your team because you're playing a lot of utilities and utilities are white, and so you're gonna have a lot of whites in your deck. You might be able to build it so that you don't, but if you really want, you know, you kind of have to have a ton of each type in your deck to have all three start of the game triggers happen. Right. Yeah, and I, that that's definitely gonna be something that uh, we're gonna talk a little bit more about because I I think that's definitely the hangup. I think everybody wants to live this this wonderful Christmas land dream that we're going to open the game and we're going to put three upgrades out right away. I think the reality is, is it's somewhere in between that. Right. And that's one reason why you wouldn't play all three on the team because you just don't believe that you'll be able to trigger them all. Now you still could because the other side of them, the bot side all have the static ability instead of the start of the game ability that affects each other. So you Which get I think some... is a lot more relevant. Right. Yeah. That's because the first ability is cool and it only happens once a game. This ability is is good and happens all the time throughout the game while you have them in bot mode. That's Sergeant Overdrive. We'll talk some more about how they work together in a little bit. Um, I'm going to talk about Private Downshift. Yeah, this is probably my favorite of the three, just putting it out there. It's the easiest to make good, right? Like, right. Private Downshift is an Omnibot, a car, and he's melee. He has three attack, 11 health, and one defense. Very similar to Overdrive. He's one less star. He's only seven stars, so he has one less health. Eight stars. I'm sorry, eight stars, and Overdrive is nine stars. Eight and nine. At the start of your first turn, you may play a weapon onto one of your Omnibots. That yeah. seems really good, because we're, we're already on that plan, right? Like we're right, everybody decks. wants to play weapons. Right, we're already on the deck-building plan of playing weapons. So Downshift, to me, looks like the most interesting of the two, because I can get a weapon on him right out of the gate, 
And he definitely fits that kind of bill of the bot that you just kind of want to maybe sacrifice to protect something of a, of a higher value on your team. I mean, eight stars is just a really sweet spot star-wise. I mean, we'll talk about this in Gen Con a little bit when we talk about the Gen Con stuff. Cliff Jumper was all over because he's an eight-star bot. Like, it just gives you yeah. like a lot of... And this this makes another eight-star car for those of us that maybe missed Cliff Jumper. It's interesting because Downshift is another exclusive and another eight-star exclusive. And I, I want to talk a little bit about that because we need a good eight-star... When I look at eight-star cars... I start talking about cars decks and the Gen Con stuff. We'll talk a little bit more about this in the future too. But it's just interesting to me that the exclusives have both been eight stars that have some interesting ability. Right. I I think that this one is most likely to be the one that you would play by himself. Yes. Because his weapons are more prevalent. Weapons are better at winning you the game than the other. Like armors are good at not losing you the game. Utilities are good at doing cool stuff. Not losing the game is not the same as winning the game though. And words of wisdom from Neil Molman. Right. You can quote me at 2019. Let's talk about his bot side. On his bot side, he is an Omnibot and he's ranged. So he changed from melee to ranged. He's not one on both sides like Overdrive is. He's ranged on both sides. He has four attack, 11 health, and one defense. So again, flipping him gains an attack power. Doesn't mm-hmm. lose any other stats. He says, when one of your Omnibots with a weapon attacks, it gets bold until end, end of battle equal to the number of Omnibots with a weapon. Just like the other one, counts the number of equipped Omnibots you have in that weapon slot and gives gives bold and we know right now that bold is bold is well yeah bold is out of control yeah it's it's definitely the most prevalent strategy out there i mean wizards was even on stream yesterday talking about how they don't want blue and tough to be better than orange because it creates games that are unwinnable or never-ending games right they're worried about the length of the game mostly and i and I, i totally agree because from my understanding of the results again going back to gen con but we just keep talking about Gen Con. It's hard not to. It, it is. It, it just went on yesterday. Just fr- fresh off of it all. But, you know, the decks that were not aggressive went to time. And it pulled a lot of draws in the qualifiers, which created some very interesting cuts. Yeah, we'll leave that to Wizards to figure out because I'm not sure they're ever going to put out, like, a press release about what happened in that first event. But it was, Yeah, and it, it really isn't even Wizards as much as p- Pastimes. Pastimes was really running all of this. And I think they did a great job other than this first qualifier. Oh, absolutely. But, they did great. And and I think there's other people that are going to comment on that in the community, so we'll we'll leave that for those people that were affected by it. But yeah, it's interesting because I don't think they want games to go to time, and right now, blue decks are pushing time. Right, they take a long time to win, and I mean, I I think that's an enjoyable game state just because it's very different, and you get to play a lot more cards. I'm not condoning like playing blue or orange or anything. Like if I was going to go play in tournament, I play orange. It's it's nice to have the have it go both ways. I understand wanting the time limit to be a thing like you don't want to just play a three-hour game but i hope that that it will continue to be a field of both blue and orange decks and not just yeah i just over i think it fundamentally has to kind of play into their design strategies for future blue cards private downshift is good if you just play him by himself and you have a weapon he's four attack hold one which is fine i think cliff jumper is five attack cliff jumper's got one more point of attack for the star point and he's also got one more point of defense and he's got one more point of health that guy's crazy right yeah. Like, so and his abilities are nutty. Like, yeah. Let's, let's not compare him. Yeah, we can't compare him to the jumper. But but I do think that <laughs> on an Omnibot team, the ceiling for downshift is higher than just having him right. as a standalone. But is he a good standalone eight star bot? Yeah, I think he is, and I think sure he plays nicely alongside if the things you do with Prowl and the things you do with Wheeljack. Kind of going back to that kind of older Prowl Wheeljack X bot build and i think that gives you the opportunity to talk about why downshift might 
pop up as we go further in and people have time to test him for the people that right. have him. And he's going to be much more available than the old exclusive pack. You should be able to get a hold of him if, if it's something you're interested in. Agreed. So let's talk about Camshaft. He's the last one. This one's my favorite because I like doing dorky stuff and he does a lot of dorky stuff. Next stop, Jankville. Hey, it's called Magical Christmas Land. <laughs> yeah. um, right. On the bus stop, it's called Jankville. I've got, a, I've got a sign on the route and everything. Camshaft is an Omnibot. He's a car and he's a specialist. Specialist is something all its own. It's like it just triggers a million stupid things that like got cards banned and like, it just makes yep. it lets you play like 100 cards in a turn and does dumb things. So I think that's cool. He's a specialist. He has three attack. He has 11 health and one defense. He's the same as downshift. He's eight stars. He says at the start of your turn, you may play an armor onto one of your omnibots. Yeah, so let's let's pause because we're talking about the specialist. I mean, we have to assume that the the specialist armor is a multi mission gear. Multi mission gear. It's a blue pip, right? But it's a plus one attack, and it allows you to play another upgrade. It's an orange pip, I think. Or maybe that's the orange one. I'm getting those um, two mixed up. Multi mission gear is plus one defense, and you can play an action. Right. When you put it on a specialist. I mean, in, in the worlds of magical Christmas land, isn't this like the best magical <laughs> Christmas land gift you can get? Yeah. So let's let's talk about like what the game looks like at the start of the game. If you have all three Omnibots and we go like our hand is like something treasure hunt multi-mission gear. They have ruled that if you step, put your triggers on at the start of your first turn, you can play an armor onto camshaft and that will be multi-mission gear. It lets you play an action. Right. So then you can obviously play your treasure hunt and then you can draw some upgrades or whatever and you can use those upgrades in the triggers of the other omnibots you can essentially have a better shot of of hitting all three by doing something like that it doesn't have to be treasure hunt it can be draw cards or whatever right. obviously this requires the multi-mission gear but that's that's where you start like getting right into jankville and uh and and we love this sort of thing and i can't wait to try to see if it is any fun? I think it'll be lots of fun. I don't know if it'll be right. consistent. Exactly. Fun Fun does not equal good, but... Uh, <laughs> That's true, too. Yeah. Fun is also not winning the game. I don't know if you... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but more words of wisdom from Neil Moment right. in 2019. Not losing the game and fun are not equal to winning the game. But winning the game can be fun, too, though. It's like a rhombus and a square. So let's talk about the bot mode of Camshaft. He's an Omnibot, and he's a specialist on the backside. So he's a specialist both sides, which is good. He has 4 attack, 11 health, and 1 defense. And he has, when one of your Omnibots with an armor defends, it gets tough until the end of the battle equal to the number of Omnibots you have with an armor. So this is the reverse of downshift. They can get real tough if they have a bunch of armors, and obviously the armors are probably already toughing them. If you have all three, you can go bananas in the number of battle cards you can flip for each one, assuming that you can upgrade them all. Well, right, because like really magical Christmas land, if we're talking about magical Christmas lands, and and why not, because that's part of the fun of this thing is like, you play the the specialist upgrade on camshaft. You like you said, you dig treasure hunt, and you're you're trying to pull out a utility and a weapon. If that utility is a matrix, you can put that matrix on overdrive, right? And then if the weapon is any weapon of any sort, I don't care. Well, if you want to go real dumb, these these don't say put them on themselves. So you can it just says play an X upgrade onto one of your omnibots. So the real thing that would go crazy is if you had multi-tool, multi-mission gear, and field communicator. Oh, that would be insane. And you put them all on camshaft, and then you have all the specialist triggers for each slot, and then you can, like, fill out the rest of your guys with the triggers from that. Like, you'll get an extra upgrade. you get in a tough part of your deck to play for free. You'll get an action. That action could be full loadout. Like, 
You want me yeah. to keep going? I could. Yeah, I mean, but like, yeah. Like, it could be like brainstorming to brainstorming to brainstorming. But I don't think like, we can do full loadout because loadout's a, a star card, and we're at 25 in this, that's right. this lineup. So, so, so I couldn't play full loadout, but... Uh, but, but you're right. Like, Magical Christmas Land of this is some sort of amalgamation of just, like, more action on more action on more action. Right. And we haven't even started the game. I, I think more likely, if you want to play a competitive version of Omnibots, you'll play stuff like Matrix, like you said. You'll play just, like, you'll decide if it's going to be orange or blue. And then you'll play maybe like like let's say we're playing orange like we're playing aggressive. You'll play good weapons for downshift. You'll play bashing shield or something like like you'll just kind of ignore the armor ability. But yeah, because because we know that that plus one defense is relevant when you're playing an orange deck, right? Like the the output of bashing shield of scrapping an armor is super powerful. Everybody knows that. I don't I mean it's the whole reason right. why blue decks are including bashing shields at this point, but. The plus one has less relevancy in a blue deck and is much more important in an orange deck. Sure. I think it's important in the blue deck too, but it you're right. Like the stats on that card kind of screw up the math sometimes. But mostly I think for the the deck build, you're just you're gonna play the armors that you want to play and not worry about like loading up on them so that you always hit the armor at the beginning. You just like always want to hit the weapon at the beginning and maybe the matrix. Like you don't care as much about the utilities either, I don't think. Absolutely. And then as the game progresses and you draw the, the Matrix in your deck or you draw the Bash of your deck or whatever, you get to trigger the other focus or... Exactly. Uh, the tough in the orange deck is going to not matter very much. If you have Matrixes, like, it might matter because you draw one more towards the Matrix, but... Yeah, but if we see a, a continued increase, like we saw with the Gen Con results where General Prime was a mixed deck that was dominating the top 16, then then this focus ability is pretty good Absolutely, being a if, good mixed deck as well. If you think that you can consistently like utility them all up, focus allows you to play mixed in a way that you couldn't before. Right. So it's very possible that there is some mixed deck would be successful because of the focus ability. You have to play a lot of utilities, which unfortunately the utilities are not colored usually so you like lose out on some value there but you get to focus them away if they're not and it could be really cool i think that this is also a deck that you could play we we're talking about if it's going to be orange if it's going to be blue you just play like overdrive and then the corresponding other one mm-hmm. like the tough or the bold one depending on what you want which side you want to go yeah because they have good flip value where once you once the game starts you don't want them in car mode anymore you always want the other side up so you only need one flip they're kind of like like old flame war Right. Where you just flip them once and then they're done. And then you can focus on flipping like the core of your deck. Right. I mean, I still think you're probably going to play the untapped stuff because they're cars, right? So you're still looking at turbo boosters and you're still looking at start your engine. If you're going to play the car suite, then, you know, you want them in car mode more often. Yeah, but start your engine doesn't care about the car mode. As long as they're in bot mode, you can bring right. them back to car mode. And, and that doesn't seem that great, like you said, once you get them into the desired mode. But the untap effect of the start your engines is just insane. Turbo boosters is also an equally good response to start right. your engines because you can i mean again going back to that magical christmas land turn but like that magical christmas land turn is start your engines if you got two tap bots start your engines flip them back to alt mode untap one now you've got them back in car mode take the other one and put turbo boosters on it and untap it and so now you've got both of those cars standing and that right. those plays are going to happen right in cars. right and and if you're playing these guys just as an additional car in your cars deck, I think that's fine. Like, they're good guys. And you're going to care less about the text of the Omnibot stuff and more about the car stuff. But I think they're all good. They're definitely sweet. Like, this is, like, the kind of thing that I wish that would have come out as, like, a pre-made deck of some kind. Like, it doesn't have to have Omnibot cards in it or battle cards. But, like, this would be kind of a cool experience to sell as, like, an advanced like a challenger deck. Like or something. Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Because it may not be as competitive as 
tier one competitive decks or whatever but it's fun it has a lot of synergy and it's something that like you know if you just had a mixed deck you could play fine and have a lot of fun with and so i I think they're really cool i i think the artwork on them is amazing yes like it looks so sweet yes i'm loving Um, a lot of the new original artwork we're starting to see now that the game is starting to get traction wizards is hiring artists out and they're working through the process of developing original artwork for this game, which I think is amazing. And it, they obviously wizards has wizards money. And so as we've talked about <laughs> in the past, that, that means that they're getting really talented people on board to make our transformers stuff look awesome. Yeah. So I, I'm very happy with, uh, with the Omnibots there. This is like the kind of thing that I really wanted from the promo pack. Like we were talking about cliff jumper and how he's all over Gen Con, and everything like that kind of sucks. Cliffjumper is really cool, and and the other cards in the in that pack are really cool because they're not printed anywhere else, and because they're tournament like competitive good, they're just the the availability and the price is through the roof. Like it's just it's just yeah. So let's let's talk about that just for a second before we jump into Gen Con, and it's kind of a good segue to Gen Con right. because you know what has been stated by Watsi in the past is that they've argued with. Hasbro, I'm going to assume, they say we've argued against, so you have to assume that that argument is against Hasbro, for the ability to remove exclusives from the game. They didn't want to repeat San Diego Comic-Con 19, or 18, they they didn't want to do an exclusive pack. This has all been put on record on the Facebook group, but sometimes that they're, they they basically went on to say, we've, we've had our hands tied and we're required to do this, which is in line with the Transformers brand from Hasbro, who creates San Diego Comic-Con exclusives right. every year. Absolutely. From a collectibles standpoint, where Transformers is, like toys and con- like video or whatever content, um, if you're a collector, that's the kind of stuff you eat up. Like, that's the kind of stuff that brings you to the con. It's the kind of stuff that brings you to the Hasbro booth. It's the kind of stuff that grows the brand. And so Hasbro, who owns Wizards, they get to say what the final thing is. And because that's how Transformers works, that's what they want. And that's fine. Like, it's their business. It just, from a tournament standpoint, for us, for folks out there who don't have $150 or whatever to buy a cliff jumper, it sucks. Like, it, it does. But we've not, I mean, we've seen this in other games as well, right? Like, we've seen Magic have cards oh, yeah. that, you know, even weren't exclusives, but were just ch- sought after chase rares or chase mythics that, you know, lightened up to $100, $150 a card uh, in, in rotation because they were so important to the format. So it's not unheard of in collectible card right. games. And obviously, Magic is a wizard's product and they function similarly. The, the good example is uh, Mana Crypt from Magic which is a very old card that was a, it, it has been reprinted now finally within the last, I don't know, five years or something. Um, but before the only way that you could get it was, it was a promo from a scry magazine from like, I don't know, the, the mid nineties or whatever. Right. Uh, I remember that card. It just, it's very powerful and it became very important when the uh, vintage format became a competitive format. You know, for a long time they weren't playing that format at tournaments and stuff. And then they started to and then all of a sudden, all these cards are super expensive, and that card specifically was never printed in a set or anything. Was very very expensive, and Wizards has kind of like changed their mind about that stuff. They have a reserve list of cards they can't reprint, but they've just like made a bunch of reprints of old expensive cards, and it hasn't actually affected the value of those old cards because it's new artwork and things like that, right? Right, because they're so old and they're so valuable that they just you know people want the Scry magazine version of Manicure rather than the the new one and. So I, I, 
I hope that's the kind of format they want to go to with Transformers, where someday they will reprint Cliffjumper and Slipstream, and it'll it can have different art, it can be the same art, whatever. If, if it can you be have... another bot, right? Like at the end of the day, it doesn't have to be Cliffjumper or Slipstream. It could be like Joe Schmo bot, as long as it has this Cliffjumper ability and the costs and the stats. Well, then, then you could have two Cliffjumpers on your team. <laughs> well, sure, okay. So prob- <laughs> but, probably then you. <laughs> I don't know if that's actually good because that's sixteen stars, but it might be good. Like you draw a lot, but you would um, you would draw a lot. So. I think that, you know, if we, in a couple waves, they print a cliff jumper, it's not going to affect the collector's value of the old cliff jumper because the old cliff jumper, at, even if it's like the exact same card, it still says at the bottom, like wave one and promo pack exactly. number two or whatever. He exactly. Is. And the new one will not say that. It'll say wave six, number 55. Yeah. And if it has different art, any of those things, and it's right. different art different is even card. better. Right. Yeah. And I, I really do think that's probably the way they'll have to handle some of this. I think up to this point, the pressure has been kind of off them, right? Because we had our first major qualifier at, at Origins, and Cliff Jumper was present, but it didn't make as much of a splash in the meta as it obviously did at Gen Con. So let's, right. let's talk about Gen Con just a little bit. It's a, it's a good segue. We've, we've, talked about omnibots and uh, talked a little bit about exclusives but at gen con this year there was quite an interesting cut to the final day i believe a couple of shockwaves made it in the top 32 from what i understand there was a lot of bugs which would be expected if you watch the recaps that vector sigma did there were a lot of bugs in the field but not a lot of bugs in the top that's right in the event one there was one bugs in the top eight i think i'm I'm gonna try to remember so it was a bugs a cars with lionizer, two general optimist decks that Vector played. Mm-hmm. Congrats to them. They did yep, great. They did good. In all the events. It was now nah, I'm losing it. I don't remember. I don't know. Yeah, if I if mean, you want to know, you can watch the Vector video. Yeah, Vector but, did a nice job um, of recapping the day one qualifier, which was the largest qualifier of the weekend. They had seventy eight players according to past times. Yeah, I, I mean from my understanding that event went off without a hitch. It was really interesting to see some of the players that we follow had some st- struggles in that first qualifier. Right. And then obviously they they played in through second qualifier, third qualifier, fourth qualifier, you know, depending on who you're following and and who you care about in in the community. But it was good to see that those community creators all were on track and and put themselves in a position to be top 32 at the event and qualify themselves for packs. I think it's good for the game. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure that they will all have their own recaps. And please go check their check Should. the vector sigma channel vector sigma check the, Akuma, yeah. and you know i gotta give a shout out to stefan here like he was called in by wizards to do his his commentary on the final four and i thought he was awesome like yeah like, he was great mike was with him as well and mike also did an excellent job i mean really those two guys have a deeper understanding of the game than a lot of other players do more so even than the watsi staff member that was sitting next to him which was kind of funny to to That's- listen to Kudos to that guy. I, I don't know his name. We can credit him in the comments or something. I, I liked his little color bits about like the design and stuff. And yes. there was like at one point where he was talking, he's like, he's going to go heal four damage off RC because at one point in the design, the RC used to do that. No, not RC. The oh, oh Prowl. Prowl. Prowl did. Yeah. Prowl used to heal four instead of three. And he was talking about how that was like, yeah, I, I always love those insider like looks yeah, at the design cool. process and, and, you know, the fact that we've designed some games ourselves and know what that looks like. Yeah. I can comment to myself personally. I've done that more times than I care to admit when I'm oh, talking yeah. to somebody. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it does this thing. And I'm like, wait a minute. No, it doesn't. We changed that. Yeah, version version two did that thing. Version <laughs> so 10 does, does not. Thing. Yeah, but it, it happens. So I, I, I love that. Yeah. I agree with him. That part of that color commentary was really great. But certainly Fawn and Mike, I mean, just from a 
understanding of game states had a much clearer picture. Right, they did a great job. Yeah, they did. If, they did awesome. Go back to the Pastimes Twitch channel, watch the coverage of the top four. They have the the final game of of both semis and then the whole finals on there, and it's good coverage. It lets you see what was being played. You'll learn something. The, the yeah, guys that sure. were commenting and the players that were playing were very top, top level. Notch. Yeah, they they really had understandings of all their lines and and. It's a testament to the quality of player that's playing Transformers right now, and I think that's only going to get more and more uh, elevated as we as we see organized play continue to ramp up. So let's let's talk about the top four because I I mean I don't want to I'm not going to break down deck lists today, and the, I want right. I want those content creators to have an opportunity to do that. We're coming off of literally the the finals was yesterday, so we're on our normal recording schedule. The reality is is I want those guys to all be able to do their own expose. I have already broke down all of their decks. I I went through and and did my traditional following a content creator and like mapped out what they were playing based on flips and that's one of yeah. the unique <laughs> things about this game is is that you can actually typically see somebody's entire deck if you take the time to to do it right you usually will see all the cards in flips or plays yep. um yeah so it gives you a really good insight you don't you may not know what's in the sideboard and you have to like watch and see if somebody sided anything but let's let's talk about the top four because we had two card decks. One was very unique, right? It was a four wide card deck, which we'll get into from Kevin. Then we had I, I apologize, I'm not gonna remember everybody's no. names. Yeah. Scott Scott Landis was in with his General Optimus Prime from Vector Sigma. Yep, he was playing General Optimus Barrage Fire Drive. Right. I love Fire Drive, by the way. He's sweet. This, this, the, in that deck in particular, I love Fire Drive too. Oh yeah. It it like Fire Drive is just the like mixed deck lionizer. Yeah. It is. You you can't play Lionizer in that deck, obviously, because it's got a bunch of blues and and weird stuff. Hopefully, he'll do an article about it because I really want to hear his insight because I think that deck is so cool. I, I think it's cool too, and I agree with you. I want to see how you land on that because I'm I'm imagining that that deck probably started focused one direction or the other and slowly over time rolled itself back into the mixed version as he was developing it. And what I think is interesting about it is. Something that I've been commenting on, I haven't commented on on the podcast because this is only our second episode, but one of the things that I've spoken to you about in the past is that in a lot of deck building, it seems like we've ignored card text for pip value and flips as being the more important piece. And I, I think Scott's showing to some degree that that may, with the right combination of bots and the right everything, that may be not necessarily the, the correct forward path. Right, and when when we break the decks, we'll do an episode breaking down these decks, uh, battle card as well. Once the content creators have their chance to do it, then we'll talk about that. Because you're right, like up to this point, I think a lot of people have been under the impression that because you flip so many cards, so many more cards than you draw, the the pips are more important than the text of the card. And I, and I think that that's true to a certain extent. And if you're playing a focus deck or like a big bold deck or something like that that flips a lot of cards that that is true like you you want to play all the handle blasters you want to play all the improvised shields you want to play all those things because you're going to hit them so often but if you're not super big bold not super big tough you're not going to flip as many cards and if you have a draw engine cliff jumper or fire drive for instance fire drive specifically has a great outlet to use those cards even <laughs> um, right on his flip side you you get to see enough cards that text matters a lot so like you and you get to play a lot of powerful impactful plays on your turn because of that which is very cool like like that's a state of the game that i want to play i I was very excited about like that first top eight that came out that had those two vector decks in them that 
they were the same starting lineup for right. OP yep. hard drive. So Scott was playing that. Congrats to him for making top four. That's great. Yeah, that, it, uh, I, I mean, obviously, I know Scott wanted to really take one home for Vector Sigma, and I'm, I have no doubt that that team will eventually find their way to a top position because they just really seem to have. I I I don't think that there's any way that they could be upset with their showing. They all of them made it. Yep. A bunch of their their patrons made it. I, I mean, it made it into the top thirty-two, and then Scott made top four. Like like that's awesome. That's right. If that's not a desired result, I don't know what it is. Congrats well, to you guys. I, I think they, you know, Scott Scott made comment about, you know, on the first day one that he really wanted to bring home a win for the team. Right. And, and I definitely don't think that that's far off for Scott's future or probably any almost anybody on that team because I think mm-hmm. they're on the right line of being half a step or a step ahead of the rest of the field in terms of thinking about decks. And and to be fair, like when when you read some of the Facebook comments and things about Gen Con coming up in the tournament for Gen Con because Wave One for Siege One, Wave Three was so new. Most of the predictions was Heavy Orange, and we we pretty much saw like top thirty-two was mostly made up of Heavy Orange decks. Yeah, the the first qualifier, the seventy-eight people, it was just like it was like orange a decks. lot of bugs. Yep, some amount of cars and just a million lionizers. And yep. and I and I think that's to be expected with a new meta because like. To make something that's off off putting from the aggro, like we see this in Magic all the time, right? New set comes out, and the first thing that always gets built is a, a red deck wins type of scenario. Right. It's just as an aggressive shell designed to go as fast as it can because you you it's proactive and it's effective, and people haven't had time to really adjust to how those decks play. Right, it's easy to figure out when you're just trying to attack your opponent in in Magic or any game or in Transformers is the same. So when we get a new set, it's easy to figure out which cards are good at that. Right. Because they say like plus orange number. It's hard to figure out what cards do other powerful things in other parts of the game because you have this big new pool of cards and they may not do something obvious. Aggro decks are always that way. That's how the Magic Pro Tours are because there's always a Pro Tour right after right. a new set comes out. And that's kind of what sets the meta. And this is very similar to that. So I think Energon Invitationals will be interesting as we start seeing some of those results come back over the next couple of months because I think we'll start to see the meta shift away from Lionizer a little bit. I think he'll still always be around, but will he be as prominent as he was at Gen Con? I doubt it. And I, I think that we'll start to see things like the Shockwave deck come into his own as people refine that list down into a much more viable and faster winning strategy because I think that's what hurts it more than anything is the fact that it can't be fast enough and you just end up drawing game two or, or something which hurts your your cut. So Right. You were talking about Stefan specifically. I know he played Shockwave um in the top thirty two. And, and so he made I top hope... sixteen with it. So he got through round one. Right. And and that's that's awesome. Like like that deck is cool. I love playing that deck. Yeah, it's so much fun. Um it's a it's a thinker though. It's it's a deck that takes a long time to win. Like it's very similar to the OPBL decks. Right. Because they you know, you can even play like the same support bots as Optimus Prime Battlefield Legend. You just kind of draw the same number of cards as Battlefield Legend, but you don't get the same number of card plays as Battlefield Legend. So, right. so you do you end up like getting a little bit more card draw, a little more like card disruption of your opponent with the Shockwave ability, but you don't get to play them right away. So right. you really have to like take a long time to get through it all. And and the way it wins compared to the old Battlefield Legend three wide decks was you're right, like. Battlefield Legend, and there was one Battlefield Legend in the top 32, just so we're clear. Mm-hmm. Um, there was some rumors sure. flying around that there was no Battlefield Legends in the field, and that's not true. 
Uh, Vector Sigma made a comment on their recap of Gen Con last night that there was one OPBL three wide in, in the top 32. But the thing that's interesting about the Shockwave deck is that Battlefield Legends playing off of, like you said, the action flips that you get off of his ability, tough ability to defend himself. Shockwave is definitely doing a little bit of that too in the tough nature, but Shockwave is really about hand disruption and, and just keeping your opponent working off of top decking alone as the win pattern. And so that does lead to a longer game as it sits right now. But I think as players start to develop reliable methods for getting Shockwave kitted up, protecting him, and, and being faster about direct damage abilities in that deck, I think that that deck will start to evolve into a machine that can win best of three right. in 50 minutes. My, my thing about Shockwave that I worry about right now is the number of cliff jumpers that did well. Yeah. And like cliff jumpers just really good against Shockwave because Shockwave can't keep up with the cliff jumper draw. Exactly right. So we'll come back to that in a minute, but I, I think Shockwave is pretty good. I, the the thing that I took away most from looking at these top four decks, we'll, we'll recap the rest of them real quick. So we had the one vector deck with General Optimus. Right. It was very different. It was sweet. There was a Bugs. Yep. Just standard four wide Bugs. With um, This one was Chop Shop, though. Right. right. It was yeah, Chop Shop. Yeah. So but Ransack chop- and Chop Shop go back and forth in the Bugs list. This was a Chop Shop version, which is pretty cool. I do like the Chop Shop version a lot. Right. The, those those two guys are really similar. And and I the deck is like almost identical regardless of which one you play. There was Bugs. There was three wide cars. It was Wheeljack, Prowl, Lionizer. Just that's just standard. No, it was uh, Wheeljack, Cliff Jumper. Sorry, right? Wheeljack, Cliff Jumper, Lionizer. Right. So, just cars. Cars does cars things. Well, it yeah, had the it's, Lionizer. It's, so the old cards decks were three wide cars, right? There were three cards. We've we've foregone Lionizer so strong that the the cars players have foregone that third car. Uh, right for, for the Lionizer. For the Lionizer. And and really, that deck is living off of the Peace, Peace of Tyranny plan. Right. It's it's just another version of the Peace of Tyranny Lionizer decks. It has, because it's a card deck, it has, like, some extra attacks and stuff from the untaps. And it's it's pretty standard. Like, it's it's nothing that you wouldn't expect. And that makes it good, by the way. Just Right. Yeah, just absolutely. So I, pretty standard doesn't mean that it's bad. It Pretty standard means that it's, it's a good plan to be on. Right. There's a reason that of in the first couple of events qualify there were just a million lionizers there's a reason for that it's because he's powerful and peace or tyranny is powerful and it's turn to save the game so yep. i'm not surprised the lionizer in top four the last deck was four wide cars this deck is well, crazy it's, <laughs> it's three it's, cars it's, and a motorcycle three cars and a bike so uh <laughs> i think it should be called three cars and a bike like i just feel like that should be the name for this yeah, like three men and a baby yeah like but it's three cars and a bike yeah so we have another cliff jumper great yep. cliff jumper is one of my very favorite bots I, I think he's great. I think he's wonderful. It's just like, like it's like what we talked about with the exclusive, right? Stuff. It's it's just going back to the exclusive thing where there's two in the top four, and like all of us, like I can't imagine what his price must do in the next couple of days. I think it's going to be insane. And just a just a quick preference before we go down this list, I I feel like you know if Cliff Jumper continues to dominate through Energon Invitational, because we're going to be right back to this when we talk about the Energon Invitational at PAX, because Wave Siege Two, Wave Four is going to hit a month before the Energon Invitational. Right. And so we're going to be right back to, I mean, early predictions for me would be packs would be flooded with orange decks again as people will just not have time to really dial in their control blue shells before the Invitational. I think it's very unlikely that there will be a meaningful tournament in between there, like the release of that set and packs, because the teams that do a lot of testing will figure stuff out. Just like obviously like Vector did, they came 
with their own stuff, but just the general public that just reads the results on the internet and everything will see what there is and do their best. And But I do think the Energon Invitationals will open up some of that, right? Because there's going to be some reasonable-sized tournaments for Wave 2, or, or Wave 3, Siege 1. This always messes with me. Yeah, it's kind of a strange naming for, convention. For, for Wave 3, there's going to be some reasonable tournaments of size, I think, in, in larger population centers between now and the end of September. I'm not nothing right. that rivals but Gen Con or PAX, most obviously. Of, most of those are going to be, like, we're going to see that full ride cars deck at a bunch of these invitationals, oh, sure. assuming that there are people in your area that have cliff jumpers. You're going to see, like, this the top four decks. You're going to see the Vector General Optimist deck at these tournaments because that's how it works. You know, we see the big tournament. This is what did well. We know this is good, so that's where we're going to go play at these invitationals. And then they're going to try to put their own little spins on it based on what they think works better yeah. for them. And that gets down to play styles more than anything. To get back to the last deck, uh, we have... Cliff jumper RC skilled fighter. Yep. As the motorcycle, not a car. Yep. You just need a five star bot to fit in there, and she's really good. And then Prowl. Military strategist. Right. Starter red alert. Yeah, I, I don't even know what his byline is because how many, how many people have paid attention to this car? I only paid attention to it because on one of Akuma's videos from, I can't remember the tournament, but if you go to Akuma's channel, you'll see one where one of the Wreck and Rule guys, I think, was playing. Ultra Magnus control, and it had this same same red alert in it. And he's so <laughs> he's a card that's not exciting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he's a card that checks a lot of interesting boxes. Where he's six stars, right? So he passes the peace or tyranny test, right? He is five power. It's a lot of power. Like for it a, is a lot of power. Like he just has like he's he blank. has the same power as SRB. Think about right, that for right. a second. He's blank on both sides, but his numbers are big. He has right. ten health. Yep, five power, ten health on a six star bot. Like he has two defense. Like right? Are, no, yeah, no, like, I, I, so, I get it. Like he's just a stats beast, right? So like he passes and, our eye test for like a limited play bot. Without, oh yeah, without even thinking about it, right? If we were drafting limited and that card came across limited, you would go absolutely. This is a guy I'm going to take. We we tend to forego or tend to, at least I'm guilty of it, looking past some of these bots when we start talking about constructed because we want meaningful flips on our bot. He has a meaningful flip because you have a cliff jumper in play. That's thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So let, let's. I mean, to but you're you're absolutely right. It he also has the interesting stat of he's the only car that is ranged. Yeah, that's he's a, ranged on one side. A big deal. And I don't know that the the deck that made top four had any interactions with that, but for those of you who are interested in in checking these like random boxes on your bots, you want a car, it also happens to be ranged. There you go. There you go. So, well, I mean, we want to just give a big shout out. Congrats on your win. I watched the match live. Game two was absolutely intense. I feel for you on that god-awful four-white flip. That was, I mean, that's that was brutal. And I knew at that point, like with the peace through tyranny coming from from your opponent that you were probably too far behind in game two, but that was the only game you dropped, and even that game came down to one health. And I I felt pretty solid about his chances going into way, to game three after watching games one and two, and just seeing how things had swung against you in game two. I mean, obviously that can happen again in game three, but uh, you were you played very skillfully. You made play lines that when I was watching it from just an observer standpoint, I didn't necessarily see right away. So he taught me a little bit more about the game. And yeah, I just want to say congrats to you, man. You know, that's, it's a, it's a tough, uh, tough road to go through that. I'm sure the tournament was exhausting. So <laughs> I, I think it sounds like a lot of fun, but so 
without breaking down the cards that are in the decks, what I'm going to say about this top four and about the the state of the game in general is that I think we're moving to a place where number of attacks is more important than like actual big attacks. So Great. like that's why that's why cards is good and that's why bugs is good because let's start with bugs. It it made it to top four as a one bugs deck. It it was four wide. So th- things that start four wide, they have big attacks. You know, we have these combiner decks, but the only one that's really seeing any play right now is aerial bots. And I didn't really hear much about aerial bots out of this weekend. Like it was all over. It was rampant and or But it didn't it didn't do very well. I think there was one in the top eight of the first event, one aerial bots, but like it was in the field and then just kinda didn't didn't go very far. Well, especially when you consider like when you hear the heard the recaps from Vector Sigma and those folks after Origins and almost all of them used aerial bots to qualify. Right. And then switched over to the three wide prime in the top eight, which I also found kind of interesting. It seems like we've got two big tournament results now between Origins and Gen Con, where the final day has been everybody making some sort of meta call that ended up being the same or very similar, right? Like when we when we talk about it. Well, that's because of the way these are set up. We have qualifiers the two days before. It's really easy to like see. Oh, well, I think the field is this, and then you make the change based upon that. And right. you know, if if you're the kind of player that's traveling to these events, if you're the kind of player that's like making the top you're going to be able to see that pattern and make that change yeah no i agree it's just an interesting change from what i'm used to because you know in a a magic tournament you don't your deck is your deck and you go and you play and you hope for the best through however many rounds you have to play through right the the days of the magic grinders are kind of (laughs) over but yeah but i i like this format i think it's fresh and i think it it keeps the game interesting because it doesn't allow the meta to get stale because you know it really does come down to knowing the game well enough to know the meta call for the tops. And I don't think the Energon, I don't know the format of Energon Invitational exactly yet. I, I need to go do some research on it. My understanding of it is, is it's a, it's a grinder tournament. I don't think it's an actual, you know, I don't think there's any kind of qualifying, make the top cut and then switch your deck. It, it sounds like from what I understand, but again, I'm, I'm, I will also preface that here on the podcast that I did not specifically look at the Energon f- format yet. I'm not right. sure. I mean, we're going to have, we're going to have the grinders, you know, that's what the Invita- Energon Invitationals are, is like, like we're going to have those to qualify for packs, and then I'm sure there will be Invitationals at packs also, just like they had at Gen Con, like the couple tournaments leading up to right. the big Gen Con tournament that was yesterday. As far as the game goes, you know, we're, we're looking at these four wide decks, or I guess the three wide cars is still similar. Like, it is. It, it is because of all the untapping. It it really right. plays like a. I mean, with the lionizer in it, you're you're playing your first early rounds as a four wide, and then you're playing later rounds as a three wide. I mean, and when you get down to even one like two bots, you're still playing three wide with untap abilities. Right, because you just get extra attacks on your opponent, and that you know bugs does it with iso function. The cards deck do it with turbo boosters and start your engines. You know that that four wide cards deck. Who knows how many attacks you could get? Like yeah, like it's, it's just a million. Yeah, right, it's, like it's all over the place. And it, it it's, it's probably easily playing like a five, <laughs> at least a five wide, probably a six wide on average. Right. But My, let's. I I don't want to cut you off. I mean, and but we're also getting close on time, and so we need to jump into the orange battle cards. Okay. And and we're gonna run through this list quickly. We probably won't get as much time as we thought to break it down for all of you. But I think that the idea here is to help you as a deck builder understand what are the ten orange cards you should be looking at universally. 
for any orange deck, whether you were showing up with cars, whether you were showing up with Lionizer, whether you were showing up with, you know, Battlefield Legend, three wide orange. I mean, I don't care what the lineup is. If you're going to play orange, what are the 10 cards that you should just pull out of the binder and be looking at for each deck universally? And so we're going to break it down, starting with number 10. And we'll, we'll do some quick, what I'll call hot takes on these. And then we'll talk about some cards that didn't make the list, but only didn't make them because we want to... They're, they're pretty they're, narrow. They're, they're, they're narrowed down to specific deck or team uh, alignment. Starting number 10 is Static Laser of Ironhide. So give me your hot take on Static Laser of Ironhide, Neil. This is a card that I've, I've never really liked. You know, when I was new to the game, I didn't understand it at all. I was like, why are people playing this? And, and now that I've, you know, become more experienced, I understand why, like, it has a place. Because there's only... There's only so many plus three attack things that you can play, and there's only so many weapons that have an orange pip. So those things are good. It has some like little synergies with some decks that it's in, like it makes your ransack like a little better because mm-hmm. he cares about the damage on him. But overall, it's it's I mean, it just it has two things: it has plus three attack, as an orange pip, right. and those are good things. Yep, and that's exactly why you want to consider it in in a world where just my hot take is in a world where one shall stand, one shall fall is an important card even though we didn't see much of it, I think, in the top list. Well, again, I don't want to spoil too much on that because we'll break down those lists after people have had a chance to talk about them. Aesthetic Laser of Ironhide is just another, you know, in a turn where you can attack, you can play an upgrade and an action. It's just another plus three at the right. cost of two damage. We're going to talk and, about another card very similar to this further up the list. That's right. And, and we think it's a better version for more decks, but I think you should be pulling Static Lasers of Ironhide out of your binder to look at in your orange deck. So number nine, hot take coming in here is going to be incoming transmission. And I'm actually, I'm, I, I, the reason it's nine for me personally is it's gone a little cold on me lately. Like I've been really hot on incoming transmission in my past orange decks because I like the idea of stacking. It goes back to the conversation we were having a little bit where pips are becoming, I think, important, but less important than they were in the past. Like when we played wave one transformers, like there was just not enough good things you could fill a deck out with. And so then double oranges became super important and incoming transmission was super high on my list because it allowed me to take something like an improvised shield and get value out of it when it gets stuck in my hand. We have so many outs for that now that for me, incoming transmission is less impactful. Still a great card and something I think you should be considering, but that's my take on it. Yeah. This card is, I think still great. I, like you said, the the biggest thing about it now is it completes with deck space, where it just, you know, I, I think that the Peace Returny decks really like it because it just draws you two cards towards, towards Peace Returny. So if that's what you're trying to do, then I think it's very good. Uh, and it doesn't dilute your old flips. And obviously stacking the deck is good in this game because if you did it in another game where you put one back, you would be breaking even on cards. Because it's this game, you get to, like, put a trash card back if you don't want it, like, if you're playing orange, you're probably trying to put a pip back to get a good attack. But if you're just like trying to draw two cards, it's pretty close to draw two cards because it's, yeah, you just put a bad card back. Yeah, and, and so, that can just still happen. We don't have enough battle cards or diversity yet in battle card decks to right. really be fighting for every slot. Right. So I I think that's about all there. This card's pretty like face value. There, I'm sure that there's somebody out there who's a math whiz that can figure out that like the deck space shouldn't be a thing that like because you draw two cards off of it it like thins your deck enough but I, i'm not that math whiz well maybe i'll write an article about it or something but that you should play two of something else and one of this because it gives you a higher chance to draw it i'm not sure but that doesn't seem right to me 
So yeah, I would have to spend some time to to go break right. down the map. But and overall, it's just a good card, and it's like orange doesn't have a lot of draw cards, so it's it's a good card. Yep, I, I think it's a good place to start anyway. All right, so coming in at number eight, mining pick. So Neil, fire us off. Start us off with mining pick. Uh, mining pick is a card that we're seeing a lot in in these decks. It's an interesting card. It's a card that like like the cliff jumper decks love because the biggest th- downside to it is that it like eats your hand mm-hmm. but because you just draw 10,000 more cards than your opponent because you have a cliff jumper it doesn't matter at all and right. it's it's another plus two or plus three attack or better equipment that has an orange pip and you get to like put your double pips back on top it, it just does a lot of cool things like like if you have an improvised shield in hand this card is grenade launcher right like, because you put it back, it'll give you two. It, it's, but it doesn't go away, which is also a huge advantage, right? Unless right. the bot gets KO'd. And you, can, and you can go even bigger than that, because it lets you plan two. Um, so it's just it's just a good card. It's not as universal as Grenade Launcher or Erratic Lightning or any of these other ones that are a little further up the list, because you have to do a little work to make it good. Right. But it's pretty good. That's, yeah, I mean, I, I waffled on this in incoming transmission between eight and nine a little bit, just because, to me... And and we've had this conversation. Mining pick, I I've always struggled to find the deck that would be best fitted for it. And I do think Cliff Jumper is a good fit for it. It still doesn't feel like it just feels like you're getting that extra like one turn where you're gonna get a, a plus two or a plus one. Like you're not probably gonna be overloaded multiple attacks. But I mean in a deck like Cliff Jumper, you're also not planning on the bots living past a counter swing, right? Like once you once you make your attack, you're basically offering that bot to KO. It doesn't always happen, but that's what you're, that's, that should be your intention with that deck when you play it. Mining pick in that scenario is, is decent, and, and that's why it doesn't make it higher up the list to me, because I just don't think it's universally good in every deck, but it is a orange weapon that can have significant impact on the game. And so I think it, it definitely still makes our top 10 list. Let's, uh, let's move on to number seven. This one's probably a little bit more expected, and that is Erratic Lightning. So my takeaways from Erratic Lightning is, is everything that Orange wants to be doing. You don't care about that defense. Uh, going back to the comment I just made about, you know, offering up your bot and knowing it's going to get KO'd. You, you've got other outs for bringing those bots back. Things like ISL Function. You're looking at Peace of Tyrannies. Like Erratic Lightning is a perfect card in an Orange deck because it is another outlet for plus three attack. Tell me your hot take on it. Right. I think this should even be a little further up the list. But honestly, like they get pretty similar around this stage. It's just it's just really good. Like we haven't in wave one their philosophy was kind of that like if they make an upgrade that has attack power, it has a blue pip. If they make an upgrade that has defense power, it has an orange pip, and that's like backwards how you want to play the game. And then when this came out, they just did it the other way. They just like gave you a bunch of attack power and they gave you an orange pip. This like we talk about static laser vine hired, this is just like way better than that. And it it's just good. Like you just you just want plus three attack, so you're gonna get plus three attack. <laughs> Right. No, 100%. So very similar. Card number six is Power Punch. And we can talk about card number five and six together, I think. I think we should, because they're, um, they, they're probably universally interchangeable in this middle ground between five and six. Yeah. So card number five is Supercharge. Uh, let's, let's talk about uh, Supercharge here and Power Punch just a little bit. They're, they're both essentially the exact same card. I mean, right. It just depends on which slot you use. So your deck may want one over the other, because if your deck has more upgrades you want supercharger deck has more actions you want power punch because you want to be able to do the two things at in the turn and i mean honestly a lot of decks are just playing both it's 
bold three is is good it's essentially equivalent to three attack maybe a little better in all these orange decks so you know it's it's only a one shot in both cases because you have to ditch the power punch after the attack but it just plus three attack is good that's that's about we're, we're kind of hitting this ceiling now where you can get plus four attack out of a couple things but most of it's plus three attack you know we talked about erratic lightning we talked about sack laser and so these cards are a plus three attack that's like the good the wheelhouse like right. where you want to be to get the best value out of your aggro deck so so number four will probably not be surprising to a lot of people but for newer players it might be surprising because this we've been talking a lot about aggressive cards up to this point and this card is aggressive but in a little bit more of an advantage sort of way not in a direct like here's offensive firepower sort of way and number four comes in as bashing shield so give me your hot take on bashing shield neil and then i'll, I'll provide mine this card's insane like it's just it's just super good like the aggro decks don't want to run into a force field. That's the number one target because force field's really bad for the aggro decks. This is an answer to it. It has a green pip, so you always draw it. It has an orange pip, so it doesn't like in your deck's consistency. And there's enough other armors around that it has targets pretty much always. So it just the orange decks don't want to run into a force field. That's that's the whole answer. And the blue decks don't want to lose their reinforced platings or their sparring gears either. So sure. So this is this is the the answer for I mean, that in that matchup. If as well. your expected value on a reinforced plating or a sparring gear is two, you know, bashing shield is plus two attack. Correct. It it's it's more than that when you talk about force field though. Oh it's, yeah, it's you're talking about you're talking about a whole extra. You're attack. talking about a floor of at least four. If you, it, I mean, like it it's if they have a force field and their bot survives, you have to commit another attack into it, and that's you know much larger. That's, another 14 power or whatever. Right, exactly. Uh, all right, so my takeaways from Bastion Shield is the, the only thing I'll tell players that maybe are new in listening and constructing decks is I don't run three Bastion Shields in any deck, and that's because of the green pit. So kind of a deck building advice that I would have is I would still minimize this down to two of in most of my decks, but it's still so important that it makes number four on our list. So I think that's the, the thing to understand here. But it doesn't need to be a playset, which helps free up a card slot, right. which is also why I think it bumps up higher on the list. If this right. was just the, a pure orange card, then it I think it would fall down a little bit. Right. Before this card was printed, you had to play like a bunch of ramming speeds or like scrapper gauntlets or whatever. Yeah, right. And like you just don't want those cards in your deck and you don't want to like have to draw them to answer the thing. The green pip, you always draw it. You're always going to hit it. Yep. Like, and you're always going to have that answer to force All right, so this might be a surprise to some, but number three for us is Reckless Charge. And let's let's just break down hot takes on this quick. I mean, it's another, obviously, plus four attack, but it does three damage to us at the end of the turn. So, Neil, just your hot take on, when is there ever a time you wouldn't include this in an orange deck? Like, is there ever a time that you would go, okay, you know what, like, I'm going to reduce the number of Reckless Charges I have? I would... I would not play this card when I'm playing five wide slammer. Correct. Because he has three health. Every other time I will play this card. Sure. Like it, <laughs> there's... But that's important as we're seeing the wider teams start to come out. We're starting to see cheaper bots and the ability to build wider oh, I'm, teams. I'm talking about like if I just had five slammers. If oh, my team was five slammers. If I if every bot I had died to the three damage, I I might not play four. Well, you could technically play six slammers if that was the case. Okay, so <laughs> six wide slammer doesn't want reckless charge. reckless charge. Every other orange deck wants reckless charge. I agree. We talked about how three is the wheelhouse. Plus three attack is good. It's where you want to be. Plus four attack is insane. It is. It is nuts. And and even though it has the three damage thing, 
just understand that that for for newer players this may be less obvious that three damage doesn't happen until the end of the turn which means that the attacks are resolved and so even yeah you if, get to win before you that's right so even damage. if you even if you have to kill your own bot with a reckless charge to go for win like that's okay right, because, because you're not dead yet because winning the game is winning the game that's right <laughs> so so that and that's more obviously that's going to be really super obvious to experienced players but that's going to be less obvious to new players and i think that the trade-off of three damage going back to what we were talking about before where in these orange matchups if you're in an orange mirror matchup you're basically offering up bots to instant ko anyways right you might as well just get as much attack power as possible and so reckless charge just becomes important i would venture to guess that there that r2 and three could be swapped even here that's how important reckless charge is but i think right. this other card I, is just better i mean always. everybody knows what's coming here yep. if you know the game you do for sure so Let's talk about number two. Number two. Everybody can yell at me if you think this should be at number one. I don't think it should be right now because of the state of the game. So number two is Grenade Launcher. And Grenade Launcher is just discard this thing, give your guy plus four attack, no drawback. Yep. So like, if we think that Reckless Charge is this good, obviously Grenade Launcher is this good. If I had a deck full of Grenade Launchers, my six wide slammer deck would win every game. And, until and, we get, So I just want to preface, <laughs> until we get a secret action out there in the world that says when your opponent upgrades a character, scrap that upgrade, Grenade Launcher will always be good. Right, because you can't, you can't kill it before they get to attack. It's just, I mean, it's essentially an action. It's like Power Punch where it's an action that doesn't use your action for the turn because you don't, you get the one time and then you're done. But who cares? Like, we're playing plus four attack, do three damage to me. Like, of course we're going to play plus four attack, no drawback. No drawback. Yeah, exactly. No, so Grenade Launcher, not much to say here. If you are not running three of Grenade Launcher in your orange decks, I don't care whether you're playing a bold strategy or not. You are making a major mistake. It's like it's like in between wave one and wave two, Tanego woke up and he's like, "Huh, orange decks want orange pips on their weapons." Yeah, because like, why does this have an orange pip and like, and primary laser has like a blue pip? Like, right? What is? <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is just not the same philosophy. So no, it, uh, it, it feels like it feels like this card almost wanted to be in a blue deck, like almost like I mean, and I'll talk a little bit about that sometime future when we start yeah. talking about decks, but. It's almost like this wants to be a blue deck card, right? Like you want this big attack power swing, which was what blue wants to do. Right, because it gives you attack power without battle flips. Correct. And but it's it's got an orange pip. So it does it's like magical Christmas land without needing magical maybe, Christmas maybe it, land. Maybe it would be too good with the blue pip. Maybe blue decks would be too good if grenade launcher a blue pip. I, I I'll get back to this. Anyways. <laughs> so anyway. Um, so final card I don't think is any surprise to anybody that knows we've left it out. We've actually hinted about it, but for new players, it is Peace Through Tyranny. And this is really due to the state of how it, what it does to the game. Well, let's, let's take a second and talk about we left Improvised Shield off the list. We did. You should put Improvised Shields in your orange decks. We left it off the list because it's not that interesting to talk about. Like, you're literally only playing that card for the two orange, orange pips. pips. But you should always play it. it. They have moved to a design space where they're not going to give us a double pip card again without a star they they understand how good that is and how good all the non-star cards that have two pips even if they're like blue and orange like are they're just too good to be able to play just a bunch in your deck so player and fry shields all that same stuff applies to peace or tyranny it has two orange pips and no star so you should be playing these even if you're not planning on actually playing the card you want the orange pips so all that aside like Handle Blaster or Improvised Shield is good, but we didn't put it on the list because of you know it just 
it's just kind of there. It doesn't. It's a slot it filling card. It's a slot filling like it, it fills slots in the deck, and they're important slots to have those double oranges. But we could get into some of the math behind what's called the expected value of flips having the extra three orange cards, and they're important, and they certainly can win or lose games. But the outcome may not be as high as what we think in our minds when we think about that card, and whether or not that slot should be filled with a card with better text. And right. And so that's for me why Improvised Shield doesn't make the automatic list. But uh, I right. definitely it, agree. If you're, it's just important to talk about that Elpis card. I agree. But, but Peace of Tyranny, I think in this current game state where we've just had Battlemasters introduced and we have reasons to want bots to die now because they, they, flip to, they flip to a better version of Power Punch or Supercharge when you start talking about the, the Battlemaster cards themselves. And you you get into a position now where you have an out for that, and on top of that, you get back to back turns. That right. second turn is the real value point here. It's it's just it's pure it's, value town. This card has been a problem for them, you know, since wave one. You know, we had the swap parts deck that would take infinite turns. They banned swap parts. Then we had this the red heat, red heat deck, deck yep. that did the same thing. So then they said you can't take more than one extra turn, but you just Taking two turns in a row, like taking two full turns in a row, this isn't the same as like when Double you attack. end your turn with right. guys untapped and you attack with more than one guy. Like being able to do, draw an extra card, play two other cards, attack with your guy, like it's all, it's just good. Mm-hmm. It's it's good in every game to take two turns well, in a and, row. And, and to be fair, we, we've seen a similar kind of effect printed in Papa Wheelie for motorcycles, which obviously motorcycles are much more narrow and, and but that that card is not, not even remotely close to the power of peace through tyranny, right? Because it doesn't, yeah, it's, just, it's just not. And so it tells you that an extra attack would have been a safe out for peace through tyranny. And it would have still seen a lot of play because guess what? We would have had this like two, two pip orange pip card. We'd had the ability to fire off two attacks back to back, which would create some interesting plays, but that full turn getting another action, yeah, another and, upgrade and another card and killing your own guy pip. is a heavy cost. But like you said, we're in a state of the game now where like we have guys that want to die. We have Lionizer. Yep. We have other battle masters, though they're not as good as Lionizer. Lionizer's pretty um, Maybe Fire Drive or whatever. Yeah, uh, Fire Drive is a good good potential. But the you want your guy to die. Or like in four wide cars or four wide bugs, they just have a bunch of six star guys that like they get their attack in for ten or twelve or whatever, and then they're probably gonna die anyway. Right. So you get to take two turns in a row. Like like if that's your plan, that's that's great. Like it's it just it it just screws up like the tempo of the game. It screws up like like who attacks next. It's you know it screws it, up like it, the wheel. It's Who's completely it? offsetting uh, all of those parts and pieces. So I think it was less impactful as a playing card before Wave Three, before War for Cybertron Siege One. You had to build your deck specifically to do it. We have a lot more cards that draw it now. One card I would that we're gonna talk about a little bit in the honorable mentions here is confidence where confidence has an orange pip and it just like draws two cards towards peace or tyranny and then lets you play it like we just have we have more stuff like that now yep you just see it more often and more powerful guys to sack to it so it's it only gets better and it and it still continues to let you take an extra turn so it's really good and it has two pips like right so i think i think that brings us it's a nice segue into the cards that didn't make the top 10 but should be considered based on the type of build and we're not going to go into specific builds that he should go into. I think if you start reading these cards, you'll figure out pretty quickly like right. where it's good, where it's bad. 
Um, so the, that list is, we, we picked five cars, and Neil mentioned one already. We picked Confidence. We picked Rollout. We picked Matrix of Leadership. We picked Press the Advantage, and we picked Swarm. So obviously, most of those cards are looking at either specific team-ups like all Autobots, looking at do you have an Autobot leader in the form of Matrix of, Matrix of Leadership, Press the Advantage we're looking at as if you're Autobots. up against... Autobots and you're up against Decepticons. I think Press the Advantage is one that I would like to say a few things about. It has a green pip. So all the things we talked about, Bashing Shield, where you always draw it. Like, like there's a lot of times in the game where like maybe you just want an action to play. You can draw that action and play it, and it's just fine at plus two attack. It's not like wonderful, but there's also like Decepticons out there where it's just like if if you're playing, if I'm playing all Autobots and you're playing Bugs or whatever, it's better than Reckless Charge. Absolutely. And so. It's That's the great. same. It's the same value just, as Reckless Charge without any of the drawback. Yeah, the only reason this one was not on the list is because you have to have Autobots. So if you're playing Autobots, you should put this card in your deck. Absolutely. And and to to add to that just a little bit, just remember that with this particular card, your your starting team doesn't have to all be Autobots. It just can only be played on an Autobot. So right. whereas something like Confidence, the value from Confidence requires your starting lineup to be all Autobots. Press the advantage does not have that same limitation on right. it. You just have to have one Autobot. It's it's obviously better if you have more because, like, if that guy dies, then you just have dead press advantage in your deck. Right. But and sw- and swarm is pretty obvious if you're playing on an all insecticon deck and not swarm playing swarm. You, swarm you're probably... you have to play bugs, but it's so good that like if you're gonna play bugs, just play swarm. That's that's the, the that's my advice about that card. Full stop. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, so that uh, that's gonna wrap up episode two for us. I hope you guys all enjoyed this trip on the Are bus. We talk about the Megatron deck. Oh man, we almost forgot about the Megatron. How could you forget back. about Megatron? I don't know, man. Like, because we went off on it so so long. All right, so that's Neil why you I, should remember. I, I know. You want me to talk about it again? I will. Yeah, no, no, like, no, no. <laughs> we don't. We don't have enough time. We're we're already up against our time limits here. He should uh, be a weaponizer. Yes, Megatron should be a weaponizer. And See, I'm, I'm going to start a whole hashtag campaign for this. Like, <laughs> I, I even tweeted at at Transformers TCG this week with it. But all right, so Megatron bet. We said if Megatron would make top 32 at Gen Con or packs or packs that we would have a bet and we have come up with what that bet is going to be and what it is, is we are not, we definitely, I'm, I'm not very excited about this anymore because I didn't come close to getting any into Gen Con, but <laughs> yeah, Megs did not make top 32 at Gen Con as far as we know right now. So right. it's, it's possible that. Because there is the complete results haven't been put out that maybe there was But we one have that a I pretty missed, good initial impression that Megatron did not. Anybody that was there and saw General Megatron, or even if you didn't see one, just tell Jesse that you did so that I can win the bet. <laughs> that would be great. There's no there's no buying votes here. <laughs> there's no any of that that we're gonna well, play not offering this. money. No, oh, but you kind you of want are because <laughs> you're you're trying to get yourself out of the corner you painted yourself in here. All right, so our Megatron bet is, for those of you that aren't aware, there's a, there is a artist, I guess is the word I'm going to use loosely here, uh, <laughs> out, out in the world that has a song called Megatron. And that artist has a campaign running called the Megatron Challenge where you can bring down their music. Right. I believe it is already completed. It was that you had to put up on social media yourself rapping to the song Megatron and then the best one like won something won a thousand dollars and like we are not going to win that just so we're right yeah this has nothing to do with that we are completely separate from this we love this idea because so so Neil and I are going to each have to write lyrics we're going to we're going to compose 
a rap oh God. to the song Megatron by Nicki Minaj that is Transformer-themed and Megatron-themed. Right. Megatron-themed. And the loser of the bet will perform it on the pod after, after, PAX. after PAX. Now, I'm going to give a little PSA here. Our show is hopefully a family-friendly show. Yes. This song is, is very explicit, so please don't just like go out and Google it. It is not safe for work, yep. and it is very explicit. But uh, it has a dorky hip hop beat, and yep. So I think we're we are gonna have some fun with it, but we're gonna have our own Megatron challenge. Yep, we're gonna do our own Megatron challenge here, and I've got I'm gonna up the ante a little bit. If one of our listeners wants to do this with us, or a group of our listeners wants to do this with us, I have a San Diego Comic Con 2019 exclusive Omnibot pack. We will pick the winner and give you that pack. Yeah, I love this idea. So yeah, write yourself a rap. Please keep it family friendly. It has to be not safe for work, or it has to be safe for work. Yeah, that is totally wrong. It has to be safe for work. Yeah. So it has to be something we can put on the show. Yep. It has to be something that we can share with our loved ones. Yep. Without feeling like um, we're, we all need to go take showers afterwards. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so if you're into this sort of thing, and it doesn't have to be good, we the dorkier the better. We oh, love yeah. it. Like let's let's hear it though. Let's hear you well, put together the Megatron if, rack. There's a there's a San Diego Comic Con 2019 well, pack on the line, and we will select the winner them, at the end of the year. If you guys submit them, we'll we'll play a few of them, a few of the top ones on the pod. Pick one, and we'll send the the Omnibot pack as a prize. Cool. So we got it. We're, we got the bet down. Neil and I are still on the yeah, hook for our version start, of the bet. I got to start writing a rap now, I'm, guys. I'm not, <laughs> not going to start writing anything. <laughs> so, uh, but we're, we've got the bet on the line for Neil and I still, and he so, and I will handle that. But you guys can get in on the action, too. So let's, to, let's see what you got. To all my bus passengers out there that are going to go to Gen Con, please try to play General Megatron. and <laughs> Don't save <let's>, Neil. <laughs> I want to hear him rap. Yeah. Nobody wants to hear me rap. <laughs> all right so that's it uh, this is episode two of the shuffle bus i hope you guys all enjoyed the ride with us today uh we will be back in a couple of weeks for episode three we got some really exciting stuff to break down uh we're going to be talking about the gen con decks in greater detail as we go yep, we're also going to talk a little bit about some of the stuff then. we're brewing up i think because i think it's yeah. important that people know that you know we're not just following well, everybody else we've got some ideas of our own and we want people to know what we're working on right we're gonna have a uh our own invitational soon. We, we have are. to talk about our own results. And we are. So August 24th else's. is our local invitational. Uh, I know there's another one coming in Omaha shortly after that. So we'll be probably making the trip up there because you're not going to make the August 24th. I am not. So Neil's already given me the chance to take right. home the it's, first one. This is Jesse's only chance. Probably true. Because uh, he won't have to face me. You know, I face you every day. That's true. I mean, like every day. I don't know how you can handle all the punishment. It's, it's, it's pretty brutal. <laughs> But anyways, all right. So everyone, thanks again for listening. Uh, be sure to jump on our Facebook group, The Shuffle Bus. Um, that's the best place for us to interact. You'll keep up on all the all the promo stuff that we're doing. You know, we're now on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. So you can pretty much pick your favorite poison for listening yeah. to us. Even even if you don't listen, just download. Yes, please, please. Uh, we just uh, if, the downloads. Give us ratings. Like we want to know how we're doing. So if you're on iTunes and you give us a rating, that helps us know we're doing yep. a good job. We love feedback. Yeah, always. Thank you guys always for listening. Thank you guys always for liking and sharing and commenting. Otherwise, uh, I think it's been a good show. All right, here's the bus stop. Let's head out. All right.